There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and uh, welcome to the show today on Legacy, and to leave a legacy, you must live a legacy, with my guest today, uh, Neil Dorwood. And uh, before we talk to Neil, I want to say a huge thank you to my guest last week, Patty Aubrey. Uh, I thought she was, uh, she was wonderful, and if you've not listened to Patty, um, Patty is the president of the Canfield Training Organization, um, and you're seeking inspiration to increase your level of success. And I can't recommend more that you go back and have a listen to that recording. And when you go there, you'll find that permission has been granted for you to be extremely successful. I'd also like to say a big thank you um, and hello, sorry, to um, the MBA students uh, that, and staff that I was uh, lecturing to at the University of Leicester this week um, about Engagement Starts With You, and also um, for those on the two-day workshop with my excellent colleague, John Jennings. Um, it has been the most wonderful elevating end to this week. Uh, please note we've also rebranded the show. It's now called the Business Elevation Show, um, purely to reflect my personal change in business branding. Um, however, Be More, Achieve More remains a strapline, same host, and uh, more, more great guests and content. So let's talk about today's show. And there's one thing in life that is just inevitable. I'm afraid we're all going to die. Um, however, the thought of your death and the legacy that you wish to leave behind can be hugely motivating um, when it comes to uh, driving for business and life success. Making the most of every day as though it were your last can help you to achieve exceptional results. Uh, just Google my show with former guest and friend Stephen Sutton, MBE, and what he achieved um, before in the last year before he sadly died of uh, teenage cancer. This show also could not come at a more appropriate time for me because yesterday my great-aunt Violet uh, passed away at the age of 94. And incredibly, only five minutes before the show, my mum sent me this, a, a short story. She said about uh, my auntie Violet, she said, She grew up in the 1920s in a family of seven children. Their father was a docker who got work where he could. In those days, you waited at the dock gates to be picked for a day's work. Times were hard. And sadly, one of them passed away at 14 and another at 21. The family name was Angel. The remaining five worked hard, were lucky enough to buy their, were lucky enough to buy their own homes and have good lives. One by one, they all passed on with my, only my Aunt Violet surviving. She loved to reminisce about her family and the times the Angel children had growing up and she missed them terribly. When she passed away with her close family around her, her daughter sent out this message to us all. Mum has gone to the angels. Uh, so very poignant that that came to me, and uh, I thank my mum for sending that across, and I wish uh, my family all the very best um, over the next few weeks. And I first came across my guest, uh, Neil Dorwood, uh, today, when I saw him deliver a very thought-provoking speech to an engaged audience on legacy. Neil Dorwood became the first person in Scotland to be a full-time civil funeral celebrant, and he's been involved in the area of bereavement care for 20 years. He wrote the first book in the UK on the subject of civil funerals called The Guide to a Dead Brilliant Funeral Speech and has just published his second book, Spiritual Food for Hungry People, The Gospel According to the Brussels Sprout. 
He's, uh, so you can see he's got a sense of humour. Um, he's been writing people's life stories almost every day of his life for the last 10 years. And he's written and delivered over 2,500 funerals. Neil runs workshops and delivers keynote speeches for business leaders on the legacy we will leave behind. Um, he's therefore got huge experience and integrity around this subject. So what do we want that service to say about our lives? And how would we like to live now to ensure we live on in the memories of others when it's our turn? So a big welcome to Neil Dorwood um, from Kinross near Edinburgh in Scotland. You'll guess by his accent. Um, so welcome to Neil. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Good to speak to you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's a beautiful day here in Kinross. Wonderful. And I believe uh, when I asked you uh, how many speeches you've done this week and uh, you said, um, gosh, uh, I don't know, lots. So you've been a busy guy this week. I have indeed. But it's, been, it's a great job. I love my job. Um, so actually quite interesting, you know, uh, now, you've, now you've come out with that response, I've got to ask you, you know, why, why do you love your job so much? Um, I, I think you really get an opportunity to um, offer good news to people. Um, I think when people think of funerals, naturally they are sad events, and of course it's right we mourn, but um, there's life as well, you know, and I think, I, I love the idea when I go to visit a family, it's like they give me the treasury of that person's heart, their life. It's almost, they give me their whole life story and they say, here's my husband, my wife, my son, my daughter. I want you to take their life, Neil, and, you know, remind everybody who's going to turn up at the funeral, you know, how special he was to us and how much he meant to us. So in that sense, it's, it is a, a special job and an exciting job because I get to tell, you know, good news to people and maybe allow people to leave the service feeling um, inspired or comforted with um, the thought that they're going to meet the loved one again or just the fact that this person in their life has really, really made a difference to them. So what, what was your early life like, Neil? And where did this inspiration to host funerals come from? Well, I know where you're going with this question, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I was a priest for um, 11, 12 years and, um, and I left and I, I wanted to get into the world of training and development and um, I guess that was part of the inspiration of getting into this, this line of work because I thought there wasn't maybe many people out there who are writing and delivering funerals that people really wanted. Right, okay. So, um so you decided that you wanted to get in training and development, but actually there was a real link there, wasn't there, between, between um, what you were doing previously, but I guess integrating some of those skills, training skills into, into your work. Uh, very, very much, because storytelling, you know, I guess I, I tell people's stories, I, I write people's stories, and, you know, I mean, you were mentioning there, you know, there's been a bereavement in your own family. I bet you, I bet you she's had a fantastic life. You know, so there's a great story waiting to be told. And, you know, it's a privilege for somebody like myself to be given some of these details. And then it's my job to stand up and deliver that life story in a way that really comforts and consoles people, but really allows them to remember that person with affection and a smile. This is incredible. I mean, my, my great aunt there had uh, 90, 94 years she was around and you know, we all have tremendous stories, don't we, in our lives? But I think sometimes we we forget them. 
uh, and maybe it takes in reflecting back um, to remember some of those great times, really. Absolutely. You know, and it's interesting. Sometimes when I chat to families, um, they won't remember everything. They won't remember everything that that individual's done. But Chris, what people will remember is how you made them feel. Mm. And that's what can really be brought over. It's a difference. How somebody's touched your heart and how you, you really feel about that individual. So if I can bring that over in a funeral service with sincerity and humour and respect, then, yeah, it's, it's a great privilege to do that every day. Wonderful. Now, you were Scotland's first civil funeral celebrant. So what was what is that? And why did you decide to become a pioneer in that area? I, up, up until um, people like myself came along, Chris, that there were other people doing this job. They were humanists and uh, they were doing a, a good job. But uh, humanists, by definition, are, are, are atheists. So therefore, you were getting an awful lot of families, certainly in Scotland, who, although they didn't necessarily go to church every week, if their mum or dad passed away, they would quite often say, I still want a hymn or I want to have a religious song, or I want at least it to be said at the funeral that we're going to meet mum again one day, or I'm going to meet my daughter again one day. So I guess civil celebrants filled the gap, Chris, because the humanists weren't able to say these things. And so we were really able to, you know, create a service that was quite bespoke and exactly what a family wanted. And so that's that's the difference, is it? You, it it's bespoke rather than rather than a ceremony which is maybe, you know, a few hymns and very sombre. Absolutely. And it's, there's no prescription. You know, there is a certain prescription in, in a religious and even in a humanist ceremony. But within a civil ceremony, it's, it's exactly what the family wants. And, that, and that's what we, we try to deliver. And, and I guess that, you know, I've been, obviously we, when you, you get a, a few years under your belt, you find yourself going to, if you've got a large family, certainly to quite a few funerals and you see the difference between them. And I guess, you know, it's, if, that, if the, that service can match the values of the person who died, you know, I want my funeral, for me, inspiration, responsibility and freedom of, and fun are words I really resonate with. So, you know, I'd want my funeral to actually be inspiring uh, and uh, I'd also want people to have the freedom to be creative with it and to have lots of fun, because <laughs> that would Leicester do me of justice, you know. You have to have Leicester City in there, Chris. Leicester City, <laughs> Yes, I have become a big Leicester City fan over the last few months, and uh, my son's uh, my son has been responsible for that, and, yeah, we love that. <laughs> but I probably want something like uh, Pink Floyd's Comfortably Numb played, I think. Fantastic. Great song. It's brilliant, isn't it? Um so you say that to you said to me when we we chatted and I and I picked up on the words you said a, a lovely phrase I think you know to leave a legacy you must live a legacy and I think that's quite a profound statement so why should we really care about our legacy and and what do you mean by that that's it's a very good question I think what I meant by the statement that you know in, in order to leave a legacy you must live it live a legacy I mean it's it's true. Everyone will leave a legacy, but you could argue that not everybody lives a legacy. Not everybody lives life to you know, maybe their fullest potential. And you're saying, well, why should we care? I guess the same question could be asked, you know, if we stand in front of the mirror one day, Chris, and we maybe see that our body's slightly changed, you know, and we think, mm. here I am. It's not the body of my a 20-year-old anymore. 
you could ask yourself the same question about your health, about your diet, you know, about your, your fitness. Why should you care? Well, only you can answer that question and only I can answer that question if I really care. But there are times in our life, Chris, when we genuinely do reflect on whether that's our health or our fitness or our wealth or or our spirituality, and that's when we begin to care, when we think, I maybe do need to make small changes. You know, it could be to my diet. It could be small things to keep myself a bit more healthy. So now and again, you know, and I think funerals certainly for some people, they get them to stop and reflect, and they think, gosh, if I, if this were my last day on earth, would I be happy with what I've left behind? Have I really lived the legacy that I had um, wanted to live? Because there there might be some people who really loved you, Chris, and they said, well, I know you've lived that life that you wanted to live, but Chris, we expected different. So sometimes there can be a difference between what you consider to be your legacy and what other people wanted you to be your legacy. Mm. So, so this is about really, I guess a lot of people just live in the now, don't they? Uh, and, uh, you know, they may be over in the now and uh, often. And this, this is really about going right to the end and thinking about what, you know, you'd want uh, to look back upon and perhaps making some, you know, changes now so you, you get to where you ultimately desire people to uh, to think about you when it comes to you know, the life that you've led. Absolutely. It could just be small changes, Chris. I, I, I agree. We don't all wake up. We didn't wake up this morning and think, gosh, this could be my last day on earth. I mean, most of us do not wake up like that. But now and again, and I think funerals are a prime example, now and again we have moments, we have days where we do really think of purpose, you know, what am I achieving within a business sense, within my relationships? And now and again, we think, I maybe, maybe need to adjust something just slightly so that I am living, you can call it your purpose, but you could call it your legacy. We've got about four minutes till we go to commercial break. And I just wonder if you could maybe share in any examples that stick in your mind of, of uh, people who've maybe left you know, in, from your perspective, uh, a really good legacy? Well, I, I, that example you gave earlier on, Chris, of Stephen Sutton. Yeah. You know, well, that, well, that was a fantastic legacy if you wanted, you know, of listeners wanted to Google him. Um, I mean, there's so many. I, I came across recently a lovely story about a Canadian politician called Jack Layton. And um, when he passed away, over the course of about 24 hours, Tens of acres of, I think it was called Phillips Square in Toronto, they were covered in chalk graffiti. And there was all these messages saying, thanks, Jack, you inspired us. Jack, you're a legend. Thank you, Jack, you've made Canada a better country. And and I was thinking, if I were to die tomorrow, you were to die tomorrow, Chris, would people rush out into Leicester Square or Kinross City Square and all of a sudden paint the concrete with images and words about us? Mm. Possibly not. So clearly this guy called Jack Layton did something quite inspirational. And I think what he did was he he identified something he wanted to do. He was really into green issues. 
and wanted psychopaths. He identified something as a politician. He did it and he genuinely made a small difference to the people of Toronto and people recognised that. So there are many examples of saying, you know, so many of the funerals I conduct, they are quite inspirational. I recently had a funeral for a 92-year-old man, Chris, and his name, his name was Tom. And he had the most incredible life story. He'd been an adventurer, a mountaineer, and he'd done all sorts of wonderful things, travelled the world, had a fantastic life. When it came to his 90th birthday, he decided he was going to join a gym. Mm. <laughs> you know, most of us, if you don't join a gym when we're 45, never mind 90, he joined a gym and he went three times a week and, and his basic attitude was, well, why not? What's the worst thing that could happen if I do something positive today? And he basically had this desire in life to keep going, to embrace life, to enjoy it. And it, it does make us reflect. I think my funeral work makes me reflect on that whole thing of what do you desire? What does Chris desire? What does Neil really desire? And um, I think there's nothing to fear, but there's everything to gain by you know, reflecting on the legacy we're going to leave behind us. It's not a fearful thing at all. It's quite a, a life-enhancing uh, thing to reflect on. Yeah, definitely. I find it hugely inspiring, actually. It's, uh, it's something that does drive me uh, in what I do. I was very inspired. There was a, a gentleman in America, um, and uh, I forget his name now. He sort of white beard and white hair, I just remember. Uh, and I was... Uh, I saw some video interviews uh, with him because he was in his in his hundreds. I think he was maybe a hundred and four or five or something like that. And he was really known in his town. And he'd uh, he'd done some amazing things during his life. And, and he'd he built up quite a, a property portfolio. And then at this age, he started to sell um, some of the property. And people said, you know, he's uh, you know he's preparing for the for the end um, and help, you know help to help his uh, the people who will will. Um, Gain some of this and be passed down to them. And so the, he was interviewed about it on um, on local radio or t- local TV. And he said, "No, no, no." He said, I'm, "I'm not doing it for that." He said, "I've found a really great um, policy, and if I put the money into it, I'll, I'll get um, a great income coming out every year for the next ten years." Uh, and I just thought it was hugely inspiring. <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't going anywhere for a while. Absolutely. <laughs> Anyway, we're going into commercial um, break now, and uh, after the break, we'll come back with uh, uh, some more. You know, really, we're going to get some really interesting lessons that Neil has uh, has learned during his uh, you know incredible time um, helping to create these uh, special celebrations uh, for people and uh, and and uh, and to share their their legacies. So we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. 
Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned in to be more achieve more with host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to info at be more that's info at be more now back to chris cooper Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and I'm with uh, Neil Dorwood, and we're talking about uh, legacy. And to, to leave a legacy, you must live a legacy. Um, so, Neil, we talked about some examples there of a good legacy. I mean, you must have also experienced some examples of people who've left a, a poor legacy. Oh, yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's quite a sad thing, honestly, to reflect upon. You know, I, I was saying, sharing with you earlier that it's a great job, a fascinating job, but yeah, now and again, you come away and you think, wow, wow, what's happened here? I do remember one time there was, um, there was quite a strange funeral. I actually wasn't conducting it, Chris, but I did hear the story. Actually, nobody conducted this funeral. Um, basically, what happened was the coffin appeared at the crematorium and the two sons from the family were the only people in attendance. There was no music. There was no minister. No words were said. And after about five minutes, I believe, um, the two sons who'd been sitting there in total silence with their arms folded in the front row of the crematorium, after five minutes, Chris, they got up and let's just say they made a rude gesture towards the coffin that was their father. And they walked out. And when I heard that story, I thought, I wonder what happened there, you know, were that my son, my sons, and that was my parting shot from this earth that, you know, your children basically left you a V sign as you left this earth. So, yeah, you know, it, it, was, it was quite saddening to think that it does happen. There are people who sadly to leave this earth and people who knew them and loved them make a conclusion that, there wasn't a great legacy left behind after all. Very, very sad, isn't it? I wonder if we, I've always sort of wondered whether we actually uh, had the opportunity to, to, to witness our own funeral. Yeah. Um, and uh, how we would, might feel about it if we, if we did. 
Um, so how do you best use, from your experience, death as a motivator to be more successful in your work and life? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, quite often, Chris, when I drive home, you know, after conducting a funeral that day, you know, very often it's one of those really inspirational ones and it's a great story and somebody's really done a lot with their life or they've just had their priorities right. I can drive home and I think, I'm not doing that. It's like I've been given a, an insight into almost like the gaps that I have in my life. And I think that happens, you know, so I'm almost personally motivated by thinking, I'm maybe not spending enough time doing this or I'm not doing, you know, putting enough energy into that area of my life. Um, I don't know if you've ever played, I'm sure you have, Chris. You play the game Jenga. Yeah. You know, and you take a block out. Yeah. You take another block out. Then if you keep taking too many blocks out, we all know what happens, don't we? The, the whole edifice just collapses. And sometimes it can be one single small block and our whole life collapses. Yes. We didn't see the gaps because we've just maybe not been paying attention. We haven't seen them. We're building this big tower of our life and we've forgotten to really identify the gaps. So I, I quite like that idea. That kind of motivates me within my work that I get to identify gaps. I think sometimes as well, I get to be introduced to new types of hero figures. Just a great father, a great mother, you know, a great somebody's given back to society. Um, and in that sense, even between those two things, Chris, of identifying gaps and finding hero figures, that sort of encourages me to maybe make a decision. It could just be a small decision and to act upon it. It could be something very simple thinking. I think I said to you the other day, even just to put a like on somebody's Facebook page, it's a small act, but it's something maybe I need to do. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about I hadn't thought about that actually until you mentioned that when we were, we were chatting and that that liking someone's page, you know, it can seem like a, a very you know we're we're busy people. It can seem a very kind of nice to do thing if you have the time. Um, but what you made me realise is that that sort of thing is is really important to others. As I'm saying, it just could be small things because you know, talking about the, the poor legacy of the two men at the crematorium with their father, you know, I think none of us would want to have too many regrets when we die. I don't think we'd want now. We'd, we'd like to think that we've done really a great job with our life and we haven't got too many regrets. I, th I think that Jenga sort of anal analysis, analogy that you shared with us um, is is a really fascinating one. I think you could apply that to you know the all the relationships that you have around you because sometimes with with people you you, you pull one or two blocks out and uh, and the whole relationship comes tumbling down mm -hmm. yeah it's really really thought provoking that um, what sort of things do you find that people really regret when they're coming towards the end of their lives um i know you maybe get to speak to people um the families but you know other things that you found through your research that uh, people tend to regret not having done? It is sort of anecdotal, you know, it's, it is curious that it's not the sort of question I would ask a family, you know, tell me what your your husband has regretted. It sometimes comes out, 
few years ago, Chris, there was a, a lady, a, a nurse in Australia, she actually wrote a book about this. I, um, I think she worked in a hospice. And um, she certainly said, and I would concur with this, that, you know, some of the regrets of the dying, they might include things like people regret working too hard. And, um, you know, they've spent too much of their energies elsewhere. I think sometimes people regret letting go of past relationships and not keeping in touch with friends. And that's why Facebook can be fantastic, Chris. Just a small like, a picture. I think sometimes even on a deeper level, sometimes people can be regretful that they really didn't live their life to the truest level they wanted to live it to. They've almost lived somebody else's life. They've tried to please a mother or a parent or, or a sibling. That can sometimes happen. Um, so I certainly I can I can concur that that comes out. These regrets uh, do happen within within people. They, they regret some say maybe working too hard, not staying in touch with friends, or not being true to themselves. Interesting, because all of those things that you mentioned there, they're not about about money. Uh, they're all about people. I'll, I'll never forget when I when I started. So started my first job when I was graduating and the, the sales director who was retiring, he came over to my desk and his words were, Chris, you're just starting off your career and I'm just finishing mine. And there's one thing that I'd like to share with you that I think is more important than anything else. People are everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that's really stuck with me big time. And all of those things you mentioned there, about spending time with people, aren't they? And uh, about our relationships. And mm-hmm. um, yes. it seems that it's those sorts of things or, or trying to please someone else mm-hmm. uh, that really matter. Yeah. As a religious, uh, do you know, sorry, were you going to comment on that? No, no, I was just, I was, I was just agreeing, Chris. Just agreeing. So as a religious man, um, do you believe that our lives are judged one day? I guess they're already being judged at the moment, aren't they, by people who know us and love us? Are you mean like at the end of our lives? Yeah. Do you, do you mean is there? Do you think we we go somewhere else and we're and we're judged for the way we've behaved? My my personal view, yes, I I still believe in eternal life, and my personal understanding of this, Chris, is that we're judged by love. Okay. And love is beautifully forgiving, and it's wholesome. So in that sense, you know it's. Maybe some of the regrets of the dying are there thinking, you know, look at the mistakes I've made and if, if only, if only. My understanding of judgment in that sense, it's not a, a scowl, it's not a being told off, it's a welcome home. You know, you're okay. You're loved as you are, you know, even with our frailties and our, you know, our, our imperfections. You know, you're loved, you're forgiven. So welcome home. This is a place of love. It's a nice way to think of it because I'm sort of thinking now, you know, of, of you know, maybe soldiers who have got injured and, you know, the, the, the thing that many people seem to find in that last minute uh, is, you know, is a concern and a, a desire to pray to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, that I think there's maybe, a, you know, a fear with people, perhaps that one day they, you know, they might be meeting, receiving, going to get into judgment day, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but actually, if you if you do believe that, I think that's quite motivating because <laughs> it can inspire you to lead a better life. 
I think it also reminds us that, you know, I mean, we, we, we shouldn't give ourselves a hard time. You know, I think, you know, it's, it's okay to look at the gaps and identify gaps and, um, and maybe even to identify regrets we could potentially have. You know, that idea that you saw your life at the end, if you saw that, you could maybe adjust your life accordingly. But even if we do identify gaps or we do fail, Chris, I don't think we should give ourselves too hard a time and um, beat ourselves up because we didn't maybe spend enough time doing X, Y, or Z. So I think we should try and comfort ourselves in that sense, you know, with, with, with love and forgiveness and, you know, all will be well and there is nothing really to worry about in that sense. So I guess, I guess though, though, if we, if we, are feeling frustrated with ourselves, and, and we, we can still influence something. I, if somebody still is around, or a family is still around, we we just get back on track again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, you also mentioned um, to me that we one of the things that people regret when we're planning this was that they they'd spent more time with people that they loved. You know, is there? Do you have a sense of what's an appropriate amount of time? You know, we all have busy lives and busy careers, and is, is there an appropriate amount of time? Oh, gosh, that's, it, is, it is like the question, how long should you exercise for? You know, yeah. two minutes running up the stairs, an hour at the gym. You know, what, what is an appropriate amount of time to spend with people you love? Do you know what's an interesting exercise? We could all do this. If you, if you go to the top of your, your Google, you know the Google bar at the top, and you know where you can look at the websites that you normally visit? Mm-hmm. imagine we were to write down just the top three five websites we visit every day it could be a football page Leicester City Chris mm-hmm. it could be eBay it could be Facebook it could be wherever and if you were to look at the, the five websites you, you almost automatically look out you, you spend time there even if you spend t- five ten minutes there every day you times that by five websites what are we looking at an hour yeah so now sense maybe that's the appropriate amount of time to spend with people you love on a daily basis if you can spend an hour visiting leicestercityfc.com or or ebay or facebook (laughs) then perhaps our children our loved ones they too deserve an hour or let's push it a bit further Chris. let's say let's do more (laughs) than our top five websites let's give our loved ones more than that yeah Uh, you you uh you mentioned about working too too hard and you know, I've sort of heard it said that you know our, our, our children are never going to say thank you one day um, for uh, working all those extra hours. <laughs> no, they won't. <laughs> <Even> younger. <laughs> um, so you know, we've got to we've got to kind of manage that. Although Patty on the show last week was was when she shared on the show or she shared with me afterwards. However, you know, her son had just gone to an amazing university, and she's had to make real compromises because she's a real, you know, a re- been a real entrepreneur. And has been away from her family a lot of the time. But her son did say to her before before she dropped him off at, at Berkeley University in the in the states, he did tell her what a an inspirational mum she'd been, and how um you sh- you know she'd uh, she had you know had been away some time, but um he 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 was inspired to to succeed more because she'd actually been there and she'd done it, and he was proud of her, which mm. was which was nice. So. Maybe we don't beat ourselves up too much, but we just make sure that we, you know, we pick the phone up to the, and speak to the children each day, even if we're away. 
uh, like you've mentioned, and we, you know, drop little notes to the family while we're away, and uh, we, uh, we, 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 you know, we think about them and support them as much as we can. But we absolutely it doesn't have to be too much, Chris, does it? You know, as you say, a, a text, a, a phone call. You know, I mean, people sometimes say that to me at funerals. Oh, I, I wish I'd visit my grand more often, and then they say, "But I live in Australia," so I mean, it could be something small. You know, when we do reflect on the gaps in our lives. We can maybe think, well, maybe I should phone my grand more often or send in a card or a postcard or it could be little things that just maybe, you know, impinge on, you know, the relationships that we already have. Yeah. We just got about a couple of minutes to to a commercial break. And I, I wonder, you know, you talked about that example of those sons who basically, you know, sort of flicked a bee at the coffin and, and walked out. Um, how... I see this sort of happen you know, when you do have negative emotions about somebody when they passed on. How do you deal with that? And, and is that something that you have to deal with and help your um, clients do sometimes? Sometimes, Chris. I, 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 somebody once told me this, and I've always remembered it. You know, the guilt thing, you know, people say, oh, I feel really guilty. I didn't visit my mother in the care home. Um, I remember somebody said to me, I want you to spell out the word guilt. I said, okay, G-U-I-L-T. And they said to me, Who's it, what's in the middle of the word? And I said, I. So they were basically saying to me, you know, sometimes with emotions or with guilt, you know, it's still all about me. So I think one way to deal with emotion is to say, it ain't about me. You know, this funeral day is about my mum, my dad, my brother, my sister. So, you know, one way to deal with the emotion is to just let it go and it's to remind ourselves it isn't all about me. I'm here to think not so much on maybe what I've lost in life, but what I've gained by having had this person in my life. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're, thank you. That's uh, really, really helpful, I think. And we're going to go to a commercial break again now. And after the break, we're going to chat about... Uh, how you deal with people who've, who've gone through bereavements, but also what I'd love to do is get a few tips from Neil um, on hosting a dead brilliant funeral speech, because we all have to do it sometime. So we're back again with you in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one -one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need, exactly when you need it, so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. 
Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Neil Dorwood. Um, I'm listening to um, some of my audios at the moment for the show and realizing uh, they're not quite correct. They haven't been quite transferred over yet to the, uh, the new brand um, that I mentioned at, at the beginning. Uh, but never mind. You can still contact me at info at bemoreachievemore.com. And if you want to find out about more um, shows and uh, and about my reflections on them and things like that, do go to chriscooper.co.uk and sign up for my monthly communication, at the, which should be listed at the top of the page. And I will share all that information with you every single month. So, um, Neil, um, how should you deal with, you know, what's your tips? Because you, you deal with people with um, who've gone through bereavement and you know day in day out and sometimes it's quite difficult to know how to actually approach that what are your your sort of thoughts on how we we handle that process with you know friends and but also in the work situation I think the first thing is always sensitivity and, and respect because we never quite know how the other person is feeling until we're actually in the room with them and really get a feel for them, you know, the, the vast majority of people I have to write scripts for, Chris, I've never met. But what they're looking from me at the funeral service is for me to give the impression I really knew that individual. So I guess one of the nicest compliments I get at the end of a funeral service I've conducted is that people sometimes come up to me and say, Neil, are you the nephew? Are you the cousin? And I have to quietly whisper in their ear saying, I didn't know Annie. I didn't know John. And, you know, people say, well, we thought you really knew him, that you were, you know, that person's nephew. And I think that's my job. My job is to really speak almost from the heart of the family and deliver stories in a way that it's in their local language. It's with their colloquial phrases but it's one that they really resonates in their hearts, and they say that was my dad. So, so I guess the first thing, first tip, Chris, is to go in sensitively, listen to the family, and you know, listen to all their stories and write them down. Yeah. Yes. And what do you, what do you do if somebody at work has, has just had a bereavement? How do you handle that? I guess sensitivity is is certainly one point. 
it, it actually can be diff- it can be more challenging, Chris. You'll, you'll know this yourself. You know, to um, to write a funeral script for somebody you know, because obviously we're much more emotionally engaged. Um, so again, I would just follow the the same format. Write it as sincerely. Put some humour into it. Basically, tell stories. Quite often, what I try to do, Chris, is to show. They're almost like the ordinary stories of somebody's life, their childhood, their teenage years, when they fell in love, their first job, you know, where they went on holiday, their children arriving, their hobbies, their interests. I almost try to write the stories and let people feel on the day that these so-called ordinary stories, they might sound ordinary to the outsider, but to those who really knew that individual, sometimes the ordinary things, when you look upon them year after year, layer upon layer, they actually turn out to be quite extraordinary. And we think, my gosh, my father, he went to work, he was faithful, he provided, he potted in the shed, he planted potatoes. But my gosh, now I look at the totality of his life and these so-called ordinary things he did I now see the whole picture and he's lived quite an extraordinary life because he's had his priorities right and he's done the ordinary things extraordinarily well. And sometimes it's nice to put that over, Chris, you know, to convince people that there really has been a a, a life that's been well lived here. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. I, I always remember a great uncle of mine saying to me, I just I was 21 years of age and I'd just come back from a three-month trip to Australia and I sat down with uh, my great-uncle, um, Walt, and he said to me, he said, uh, Chris, he said, you've lived more in your life than I have in my life already. Uh, he was in his 70s and I felt, although it was kind of a co- meant as a compliment, I felt quite sad uh, that uh, that he felt that way, uh, and also you know quite sad that maybe he hadn't realised what he'd wanted to realise, uh, and for me that was quite actually quite inspiring to keep pushing myself along uh, during my life really because I didn't didn't really want to be like that or feel like that when I get older. Yeah, I think we we do have to learn from those who have gone before us, and that's, that's it. it's one of the great things. It's certainly about writing funeral stories. I I use it as an opportunity as well really to learn, to ask deeper questions. So when I write people's life stories, Chris, I, I don't do a biography. I, there is biography within the tribute, but it's not a CV. People, I think, don't want CVs. They want deeper reflections on why are you proud of this man? You know, what's, what difference has this lady made to my life? You know, it, I think I mentioned that earlier. Genuinely, people don't always remember what you've done no, nobody has ever said to me, I wish my father had spent more time in the office. They don't. They, but what they do remember is how you've made them feel. And if you can put that over and allow people to reflect on what people have taught, what they've left us behind, I think people like that. So that if anybody has to write a funeral script for somebody in their family, that would be my tips, you know, to tell stories but to think deeper, to ask some deeper questions about 
you know, what really has this person taught me and how can I learn from them? Because yeah, as you mentioned earlier on, that the, the funeral is really, funerals that you attend are, are really reflective moments, aren't they? And there's an opportunity when you've got, that, got people, other people there to share some of the lessons and pass some of those lessons on to the living. Absolutely. And, and do it with gratitude. You know, gratitude is a wonderful, you know, way, way to energize us. And um, because, you know, remember at funerals, people are, you know, they can be often be de-energized. Somebody you really loved is no longer here. You're, you can be devastated, Chris. So sometimes we have to look at the bigger picture and think, I really do have a lot to be grateful. This person has been in my life and I'm actually the lucky one. I'm actually the lucky one to have had them in my life. So if, if, again, if, if, if anybody listening has to write a script, you know, try and bring in that element of gratitude and thanksgiving. And should you, um, should you focus on, should you mention things that have been you know, were funny that happened? Should you bring humour into it? I think every service I write has, has to have humour in it. Done sensitively. You know, I, I don't deliver funny lines just for the sake of it, but, you know, it's amazing how sometimes you chat to families and the funny stories, they're just brilliant. So you have to retell them on the day of the funeral. So, yes, absolutely, use humour if it's appropriate. And most times I find um, humour goes down well. It breaks the... the I'm not sure if the ice is the right word, but it just allows people to, you know, maybe grieve and let go a wee bit if you allow them to laugh in a respectful way and remember somebody with a smile. And what do you think to uh, the idea that, and you may, I should ask you if you've ex- you probably experienced this, where maybe the person who wrote a letter that they wanted reading out of that funeral or they, they produced a video even, Mm-hmm. Uh, to address how how do you feel about those and are they good for the for, for the people who are left behind I am um, I, I in Scotland I haven't had too much personal experience of videos being left behind um, and if there are videos or PowerPoint presentations I think they tend to work best in the at the reception afterwards where people go for a cup of tea and a coffee and um, sometimes if you have video within the actual funeral ceremony it can be very emotive um, letters simil- similarly can be very powerful and I do read a lot of letters out and um, and sometimes I'm, I have been moved to tears when I've had to read letters from a husband to a wife or a mum to a son so um, again but that's one of the, the wonderful things about this job that you're asked to speak from the heart of the family and just tell everybody out there that's sitting in the congregation, you know, just how much this person meant. Yeah, I'm sort of thinking. I'm thinking about the actually the person. So, you know, for example, if I wrote if I wrote a letter um, right now and said I want this to be read out at my funeral, or I produced a a video with me talking into my computer and sharing what I've learned in my life and uh, you know some wisdom from it, uh, is that an appropriate thing for me to do? Bearing in mind that. Other people have to deal with it on the day. Um, I think my personal experience is that the letter always works, yeah. but sometimes the video. Okay, so that was can be it can, because it's a visual. Uh, it can be quite uh, emotionally charged, 
if it was during the actual funeral service. Right, great. So I wasn't, yes, I was uh, thinking when we were talking, you were talking about letters, was letters about uh, the person who died rather than it coming from them. So, mm. yeah, thanks for, for clarifying that. So I wonder now, we've only got about um, sort of three minutes left until we close. I wonder, do you have any final messages that you'd like to leave us with? Um, certainly one of the tips I would encourage people, remember that idea I said, go and check out where you spend your time. You know, you know, go, go look at your top five websites where you've even gone today. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's, we spend so much of our time on the internet and on our phone today. And sometimes it's good to really look at that and think, hmm, where am I genuinely putting my time? Could I perhaps be putting too much time in a certain area? I think we'll, you'll certainly be familiar with it. It's a, it's a well-known story. Uh, Stephen Covey or Covey told the story of rocks, gravel and sand. Mm. You know, you had the big rocks and the gravel and the sand and the big jar. Yes. And then sometimes you think, oh my gosh, I've concentrated on, you know, these other things and I really should, should put my focus on the big things of family, relationships, rather than the little things of phones and internet and Leicester City. <laughs> so that, that's that's one thing. I, I actually came across a, another little tip I could offer. I came across a fascinating video the other night. Uh, you can go and Google it. Uh, I think if you Google Thai life insurance video or you Google unsung hero, there's a very powerful video and it's from an insurance company that shows a journey of a young man in the streets and um, and all the random sort of acts of kindness he does for other people. And the message at the end of the video is basically, you know, work on or spend your time or part of your time working in areas that money cannot buy, whether it's giving for nothing, you know, feeling love, embracing happiness, because it is a bit like what Covey says, if, if we forget those things, then that are really for free, then, you know, we could end up, as we said earlier, that negative legacy. So that is, is a, is a, is a beautiful video of you Google unsung hero. And, um, you know, I, I suppose my, my final thought would be just keep reminding yourself that um, we are already living a legacy right now and be kind to yourself you know, remind yourself that um, I think people people almost want the good fruits in life, don't they? We we want the good fruit of of love and kindness and forgiveness and joy and hope and peace. So now and again, you know, reflect on these values. If we need to change something small in our life, make a small change. And I used that um, example earlier, Chris, of even of I don't know many friends you've got on Facebook. Maybe people have got 500 and we possibly don't communicate with most of them. Yep. But now and again, you know, send somebody a little message, tell them you like their photograph and little things over time, the ordinary things can turn out to be extraordinary. Wonderful. Neil, we've got to, got to leave you there. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for having me, Chris. I've enjoyed it. You're very welcome. And I just want to say just one very quick thing on what you said. Um, I've noticed a lot of people who spend time with people, but while they're there, they spend the time on the phone, on the computer, thinking about work and not actually present. So I, I think uh, 
make sure when you're with people, I think you should be present with them. Um, I also just want to say, yes, um, Neil's website is neildorward.com, N-E-I-L-D-O-R-W-A-R-D.com. If you've got any questions or feedback on the show, please send them to me at uh, chris at chriscooper.co.uk. I'd also like to send my love to Vicky and Penny, um, uh, who are the daughters of my auntie uh, Violet. Um, wish you wish you well, and my thoughts are with you. Um, next show, uh, we have former movie star Jeff B. Cohen, who amongst um, his many childhood roles played Chunk in Spielberg's movie The Goonies. Today he's a transactional attorney in Hollywood. And we're going to be discussing the lessons from his fascinating new book called The Dealmaker's Ten Commandments. So if you want to know how to do great deals and, and learn the lessons from Hollywood, then do join us next week. Once again, a big thank you to Neil Dorward, and I wish you all a wonderful uh, week uh, li- living your legacy. Thank you. We thank you for listening to the Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.